to the asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Oh my God, I wish you guys could hear what went on before these mics went live. Welcome to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. Week 10 in the books here on the Arena Sports Network. Yes, indeed. Uh, Rick's going through concussion protocol because he about <laughs> killed himself with his headphones. But, uh, you know, welcome into the Asylum. Hey, tonight's presentation of the Asylum Sports Show is brought to you by Cleaver Supplements and Butcher Box and also by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash arena sports net over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So Rick, we are all, all through the bye. Well, we're through the bye week hells yeah, anyway, yeah. and we still have uh, some bye weeks. What for two more weeks? Yeah, Atlanta doesn't help this week. That no. crushes a lot of people. But the worst of it's over. We are dead smack in the playoff run now. We're looking yep. what three Atlanta, more weeks at most. Atlanta, Denver, Jets, and San Diego. Still a lot of fantasy significant impact here, though. With these teams, you have. Uh, Atlanta, you just mentioned San Diego, a lot of weapons out there. Denver defenses uh, and some uh, running back play maybe. The Jets, yeah, you know, you're probably forced to play some of them, even with the quarterback situation that they have. Obviously, Matt Forte been playing well. A lot of impact. Don't talk to me about Brandon Marshall. We're going to get to him a little bit later in the show. Uh, hint, hint, when we get to our game balls and stinky socks, and I think you know which one he's not getting, Richard. Yeah, I really uh, – can probably guess. So, so one thing I'd say we got a guest on the show today. Yes, we do have a guest on the show. Um, he'll be coming in probably. I'm going to guess about segment three, somewhere in there. Going to talk a whenever little. Whenever we can n- nail him down, yeah. yeah. Going to talk a little AFC North, so we'll do that. I can envision oh, James Rapian. Forgot. Oh yeah, I guess we should mention his name. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think this show you're going to find in the way it came together as I did my preparation, and, and Rick doesn't do any, so that my preparation is the way the show will go. I think it's going to be a little lighter on fantasy and a little heavier on football this week just football and as it impacts your team we're in the playoff stretch we'll cover anything we can or need to there but one thing i want to start the show by saying finally after all of my complaining after all of my whining week 10 rick was the first truly great week of nfl football what a week maybe football's finally back now that we're getting down into the playoff stretch I certainly hope so. And, of course, some of the weather will probably start changing in the next couple of weeks in some of these stadiums. But uh, still a lot of referee impact. Yeah. That That's, that's not going away. No, and it's not going away. You're absolutely correct. But, uh, yeah, some really good games this past week. I have a theory on that. And I noticed it in watching college basketball, oddly enough. So – Here's what I decided. I was watching a lot of college basketball over the weekend in these first couple. They had a great, great set of matchups last night. Watched uh, Maryland-Georgetown, what Duke-Kansas, some great games going on last night. In every one of those games, they talked about in the pregame and as the game went on, how the NCAA has decided to focus more on your on your touch files. Okay, the, the different things. I won't go through them all, but the list of things they're the focus on this year. Every game I watched, both teams were in the bonus before the first half hit the 10-minute mark. 
So just, there's no flow to these games. And it's the same thing with the NFL. And what I've decided was, as the scrutiny has increased, as everything's on video, absolutely everything, and everything's rehashed by people like you and I and people who are actually good at this on, on major nar- market radio and television stations, there is such a spotlight on the most minuscule part of any part of any game, no matter what the league, no matter what the sport, that the sports are forced to react to them, create more and more rules, and it gets to the point where pretty much there can be no flow of play without some some rule having been violated. It's impossible for these referees to get them all right, and even if they do, we're going to complain that they ruined the game because they're calling all these penalties, unless, of course, they don't call it against our team, right? And I think that's what it's come to, and it's permeated absolutely all sports. It's permeated all sports except maybe the NHL, where you, especially you get into the playoffs, they'll let them play. Oh, they'll throw the rule book out there. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and quite frankly, it makes the games extremely long. Right. It makes them tedious to watch after a while. And, you know, it takes away a lot of – well, number one, like you said, it takes away the flow of the game. It takes away and, – and you, you've been to more pro sporting events than I have, but we've both been to pro football games. They're extremely difficult to watch in the stadium. Oh. I mean, you sit there and watch the game a little bit, then it just stops because it's a TV timeout, and you just sit there, and, and it just goes Some on. Drunk. and Flopping around behind you. And it just goes on and on forever. But like you say, the flow of the game's gone. It takes away a lot of the Monday morning water cooler talk. Oh, the ref got this wrong, blah, blah, whatever. Now it's just, there's just not really much to talk about other than the fact that how come this was a catch and this one wasn't? Right, right. How come that head-to-head was called and that one wasn't? How come when he climbed up on Tom Brady's leg, there was a personal foul, but when they did it to Phil Rivers, they didn't call it, whatever. You know, right. I, that's all it is because it's so convoluted and inconsistent. Right. That's actually more key to it than the convoluted rules, which they don't know what a catch is and so forth, what's incidental head contact and so forth. But it's inconsistent as well. I'll tell you what, though, and, and uh, I feel like I found myself tonight in a position of defending officials. If it were, I'm not necessarily knocking the right. officials. If it were to be completely consistent, following everything to the letter of the rule, which I think the referees would tell you they strive for and what the NFL would tell you they want, there would be a penalty on every play. We've said that oh, for yeah. 40 years. They could call holding on every single sure play. Sure they could. With everything the way offenses are, with everything being spread, with everything being five wide, with it being a passing league, either there's going to have to be some contact on a receiver on every play or there's going to be a touchdown on every single play. So I, I think we've gone so far. I heard Again, it's stupid to try and compare it. It's apples and oranges. But in watching one of the basketball last, games last night, Dick Vitale was doing the game. And what he talked about in college basketball is they were sort of complaining about just a foul on every call. And every starter had three fouls by yeah. halftime. And saying, look, here's what happened. And it makes sense. And I think you can apply this to football, too. Over the years, the athletes have gotten much bigger much faster, much much stronger, and quite frankly, much better at the game, at least in a technical 
aspect in terms of the way it's played now compared to the way it's played 40 years ago. What's the one thing that didn't get any bigger? The court. No, the court yeah. didn't get any bigger. Right. So you got bigger, faster men doing things big and fast men didn't do 30 years ago, and so the space is getting tighter and tighter. There's going to be contact, and you're trying to legislate contact out. I think we sort of have it's a much bigger field, but you have a similar situation in the NFL. And as, as the game has evolved, we've moved to a passing league because that's become your greatest opportunity to move the ball, and the rules have been set up as such. you got everything in single coverage. If you try to legislate out, all contact or basically any ability to play defense, this is the product you get. They've gone too far, which the NFL tends to do. They've swung too far the other direction when criticism came on the other side. They they do this on everything. Well, the thing, I disagree with you about football. I mean, to a certain extent, I can see it in basketball, but basketball, like it or not, is a contact sport. And, And there should be contact in basketball. But getting back to football... Yeah, they, they created the Mel Blunt rule. Okay, you're not allowed to keep knocking this guy down at 20 yards down the field and so forth. Okay, that's fine. But to be, but this um, this frenzy, you know, and, and I'll blame fantasy football a lot yeah. for it. This, oh, 100%. this frenzy for more points, more scoring, has led to all this nonsense where a defender can't do anything. He should be able to hand check a guy. Oh, absolutely. Okay. If they're going up for a pass and he grabs him and pulls his shoulder back and prevents him from catching, okay, it's pass interference. But they should be able to fight for the football. Oh. It has nothing to do with with the size of these guys. Look, Mike Wallace isn't a big guy and, and so forth. It's the it's just this frenzy for for points. Yeah, they want to make it all a, it is. They want to make it a spectacle with, without improving the game. They want it to be arena football, but it, it, it adhere to, somehow still adhere to the tradition. And it's ridiculous. I mean, if you think it's about totally ridiculous. If you think about what a cornerback has to go through, it seems that's what we've honed in on. You've got a guy standing across from you who generally is about what, 6'2", 250 or 235, and he runs a 4'3". Mhm. Here you are facing him. So with your back to where he's going, he knows where he's going. Exactly. You don't. You don't. And, and if you even try to put your hand out, hand check to find where he is as you're trying to catch up on the field, and that ball's been in the air for four seconds already, and that's a foul, I don't know what you do. Just make the game a skills competition well, because that's what it's becoming. And don't think that this Chuck rule and these rules – hasn't bred a lot of these bigger wide receivers. Oh, absolutely. Because Calvin Johnson, I, look, he's a beast. He could jump over everybody. But nobody – he wasn't that fast. Not not to you know these guys' standards. Or Andre Johnson, that's that right. sort of thing. These guys were a benefit and taking nothing away from them. Don't Don't misconstrue any of this, you know, dear listeners out there. But – they didn't have the blazing speed, and they weren't allowed to be hit. So, basically, it was a free jump ball. Well, who's going to win? Right. I mean, that's like me and you going up for a jump ball. You're going to win every single time. You're 6'6", six, six, I'm 5'11", fat and old. <laughs> I mean, you're going to win that every single time unless I can do something to hamper you fighting for the football. Something, right. Which, is still le- which still should be legal, like a bump and so forth. I, I don't know. It, it, it's um, 
It's a mess that they've created, and I don't know how they're going to get out of it. All that said, and we'll talk about these games, I was thrilled by the no call on the very last play of the Sunday night football game where Gronk just trucked Chancellor, and Chancellor held on. <laughs> he was getting chucked, and they just called nothing, which is what it should be. Which yeah. Generally, I was waiting for the flag to come out. Generally, they're going to call the defense on that. The offensive player initiates the contact, completes the contact, and they're going to call it on the defender. You know, look, the defender has to have the right to that space. You know, there's another basketball term. You have the right to that space if your feet are set. So they finally got one right there. And of course, over you went on Twitter, you know, from Patriots fans, my God, they're ready to burn the city down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, so exactly. it's what the league's become. Well, let's jump into a few things, Rick. Boy, this one comes as a stunner to me. I feel like you don't see these this late in the season very often. But Alshon Jeffrey suspended four games. PD, PED violation. That's a stunner coming out this late in the year. Oh, he's probably just trying to get some extra dope to give to Jay to wake him up a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's – it's now what does Cutler do? Well, I think he goes away. <laughs> John Fox basically said, I hate you. Yes, exactly. Their teammates of his said it's come out, rumors out of the locker room, that he never looked more disinterested. They called his preparation for that Tampa Bay game a joke. I mean, this guy's done. He has gone from Chicago, and I wonder, you know, you just wonder if he's even in the league and, after this season. And quite frankly, from – Many websites on the inside slant we were on here. Jay Cutler was on a lot of people's radar. Yeah. After, the, after what he showed. Sorry, Junior. <laughs> yeah. After what he showed um, against Minnesota, actually looked like, I mean, he was fist pumping out there when they scored. He said he and, gave that big Newt Rockney speech before yeah, the game. exactly. And then he shows up to Tampa Bay. He had two interceptions and a lost fumble before he had 75 yards passing. <laughs> and – he fumbled another one in the end zone. You know, fortunately, it was just a safety and um, wasn't recovered. But oh, just a debacle! Yeah, and I mean, when they, when they when your teammates are coming out saying your preparation's a joke, yeah, this guy, what a waste! You know, you look at him. This is why he survived in the league as long as he has, and he has that huge contract. He reminds me of Jeff George is who he reminds me of. All the skills are there and evident. Yeah. And, and we as football fans and football analysts get enamored with it. But what goes on between the ears with these quarterbacks matters a lot more. And I don't know what it is with this cat. I don't know what his deal is. But he can't put it together. But I can't ever remember. It's probably happened. I can't ever remember a teammate calling out another teammate for preparation before a game. You know, that's we've always joked about him being disinterested. Now you're hearing it from the locker room. That that I don't know if you recover from that and ever play in this league again. It's it yeah, it, it's amazing. I, I can't understand how someone can go through a career. I mean, look, you remember he took heat when he got injured and then ended up just taking a seat in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, a lot of people question him for not going back and trying to toughen out the game. I can't even remember the year. But this has followed him from Denver the whole way through his career. And I think it's over. No, I I think there's no question about it. And, again, sorry, sorry, uh, 
junior <laughs> jersey. I think it was junior's team, wasn't it? But Rick made the move himself, and I'll stand behind it. We weren't the only cats, but, man, wow. Yeah. Just wow. That was gruesome. All right, Rick, Jared Goff to get the start this week for the Rams versus Miami. You, you picking him up? You going to start him this week since you have that void now that, uh, no, now that I don't Jay's think not so. on your team um, anymore? They're at home. I mean, I'm glad they're starting him at home and not – starting him in Seattle or New England or somebody. But, um, yeah, probably it'll be interesting to see. Uh, the Rams have a decent enough defense probably to keep them in the game. I don't know how it's going to impact well, we've Todd We've seen Gerling. twice now this season they can win games without the burden of scoring a touchdown, which is amazing to me. That's how good that defense can be. Yeah, they, they, they can play some football. And uh, I don't look for a real shootout with Miami visiting L.A. Um <laughs> But um, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting. We questioned for the last month why Goff hasn't had a chance. Well, now we're going to see. Yeah, it's kind of odd. It's just maybe finally frustration. This is so Jeff Fisher that it takes him 11 weeks for this to dawn on him. That, you know, because he'd said weeks ago that he wasn't going to mess with Jared Goff unless and until the Rams were eliminated from the playoffs. Well, they won last week, you know, again, oh, yeah, without they're... the burden of a touchdown, but they won last week. So why it took him 11 weeks to, to look at Casey Kasem and say, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> this guy stinks. Yeah. How much worse could Jared Goff be than this guy? It just, Jeff Fisher just boggles my mind. We spent so much time in that on this air. I don't know how much we want to do it again, but the man just blows my mind. Yeah, exactly. And our L.A. Rams are sitting at 4-5. and five. Certainly not in a driver's seat for a playoff spot, but they're not eliminated by no. any stretch of the imagination. And if golf gives them the best chance to win, I hope I hope he succeeds. I'd like to see them beat Miami just to get some confidence going because I'd really like to take a look at this kid. Yeah, yeah, we're finally going to get it. So, Rick, looks like Tony Romo is going to be back in uniform, designated the backup for the Cowboys game versus Baltimore. Loved what he came out and said this week about how he's not going to be a distraction, how this is uh, the NFL is a meritocracy and nobody has earned their spot more than Dak Prescott has. I, I think he does this, whether these were his own words or somebody asked him to say them, sort of taking Jerry Jones off the hook, right? So right. You, you can zip it now, old man. Here we are sitting 9-1 and one with, you know, if, if they did the voting right now, if the season ended now, Dak Prescott is, you know, at least on the Pro Bowl team if he's not starting for the NFC Pro Bowl team. So it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully they don't Jerry Jones this thing all up, keep rolling with Prescott. Boy, talk about having the, the best backup in the league. It really looks like I drew that comparison to the Patriots back in, what was it, 01, when Bledsoe went down and Brady came in and they stuck with Brady, and you see how that's worked out. I'm not ready to compare Dak Prescott to Tom Brady yet, but, boy, this situation sets up very similar, doesn't it? Oh, it certainly does. And look, we're looking at an offense that has only scored less points than Atlanta and San Diego. And that's pretty potent company when you're talking offenses. And they've got, uh, uh, by the way, a rookie that's probably would be in the Pro Bowl as well, oh, you man. know, with Zeke. So, yeah. And, and what Tony Romo, you talked about, whether it's his words or not, I mean, the way he bumbled through it, it must have been somebody else's, but... <laughs> No, it's a great thing to say. We talked about it last week. I don't know if it was on this show or on the Inside Slant, but I, th I think he's the consummate pro. I don't think – and I was listening to a radio show coming over to Studio B here. 
and I won't mention who it was, and because uh, I'm not exactly sure. I think I recognize voice, but I don't want to, you know, say it. But he's saying, he, you know, Tony Romo hopes Dak Prescott loses two in a row. You know, as long as the Cowboys are still division champs, you know, because he, he wants to get in there. And so the guy was pressing like, so you, you actually think he's rooting against his team? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's what competition is. And the guy was trying to, you know, to clarify, well, you know, isn't competition as you win the job? You right. don't hope somebody gets hurt or they play right. Oh, no, no, you know, when I played, you know, I rooted against the other guy, you know, and I'm like, Really? No, no. Get better. Yeah. Don't hope he exactly. gets worse. Get better. Yeah. Get better. And I think there was a tinge of sincerity to what Romo said. Oh, you I know, think What so. can you say? If you're a reasonable person, so unlike this person you heard interviewed, if you're a reasonable person, you sit down. And, look, we all have it in our jobs. There's always somebody you look at and say, damn, he better. He's just better. Or he's doing it better right now. You know, I think Tony Romo probably fully believes in his mind. Which I would hope he does. I think all pro athletes need to think like this. Look, I'm better than this kid. But at the same time, he can sit down and say, whoa, (laughs) what this cat's doing, what what can I do? He earned it. He outplayed me. I'll be right here. This is the NFL. Chances are he's going to get hurt. It's somewhere down the line I'm going to get another chance, and I'm going to be ready for it. That's what a professional does. And at least in word, that's what Tony Romo come out and said. Oh, exactly. And I I believe him. I mean, if you're Tony Romo – and your and your team's on a roll. The team you've been with your whole career, it's on a roll, and you're heading to first round by. You're heading into the playoffs. Might get to the promised land. I haven't been there. Yeah, I'll take that Super Bowl ring, even if that kid earned it. This is my team. That's These right. are my guys. Exactly. I've been every bit as part of what. Maybe not this year, but I got us here. I was a big part of that. And I, I think he'd be happy to take that Super and Bowl. And I find ring. it. I think Drew Bledsoe is going to give his back. Well, exactly. You're exactly right. And. Just like he said in that speech, he's got Dak's back, and he feels that Dak has his back. And I'll bet you if you ask Dak Prescott, which, you know, if you listen to Dak call into yeah, the show. Yeah, give us a call. <laughs> I'm sure. But he's probably busy, but I know he's listening. I'm sure Tony Romo has offered plenty of advice oh, certainly. to this kid, and, and he's used it, you know, to his advantage. And so Tony Romo would earn that ring every bit as much as anybody else on that team. Yeah, I so. think I think he'd be happy to take it. So it looks like Jerry Jones might not screw this up yet, although it's never over with him. Big relief for, for me and a lot of fantasy owners. Rick Jordan Howard put in a full practice today after that Achilles scare. That was a weird deal. So you didn't see him in the second half of that game. All the reports coming out after the game where it was an Achilles injury. I know in a couple leagues I'm combing the waiver wire trying to find any running back. And now he's back at full practice today. Looks like it wasn't that. Yeah, um, it, it very well could have been an Achilles. Maybe he got kicked there. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that, that could hurt oh, yeah. tremendously. Oh, yeah. But actually no damage. And, uh, you know, it's good to see because Jordan Howard a uh, significant part of a lot of fantasy teams right now. And um, I see Christine Michael was picked up, was cut by uh, Seattle and picked Did up by the Green Bay Packers. Did you see anywhere the rationale for cutting him? Well, Thomas Rawls is coming back. Procise has taken over his job. You have Thomas Rawls coming back. Yeah, I don't know. So, Does the cap factor in on IR? It just seemed odd. Where Look, he hasn't been 
Tony Dorsett by any stretch of the imagination. But he had good stretches. He's a pro running back who knows the offense on a team that's going to the playoffs and on a team with an injury-prone number one running back. We can't get him on the field. It just struck me as very odd to just flat cut him. There's something with this guy. He keeps getting cut immediately after everywhere he goes, whether he succeeds or fails. There's something with this cat. I'd love to know the backstory. Well, I'll tell you, I've never... I never believed in him. You listen to any incarnation of the show, and uh, you know I've never really believed that he was an every down back. Now they had the, you know, what was called you know, air quotes the awakening in week three when he rushed for 106 yards and two touchdowns. The next week he followed it up with I think like about oh I don't know about 90 total yards and another touchdown. Since then, and he had another couple touchdowns in week six, but he only had 64 yards. Then he had 52 yards. Then he had 40 yards. Then he had one yard. <laughs> then he had 22 yards. He's just not getting it done. I mean, when you're averaging whatever it is, I have to look up his stats, what, 3.4 at best? Yeah, somewhere per carry. In there. He does too much prancing. He doesn't put his head down and go north to south. And – for whatever reason, I believe that would probably have to be what Seattle style. They're used to beast mode running. Right. And you can't dink and dunk and hope you find a hole. You just plow through there and get in there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we, we said a couple weeks ago it was a time to get back at it and stash Thomas Rawls. <laughs> Looks like that just sort of really struck me as odd that they cut him. You know, obviously to sit him down was a no brainer, but to cut him was a wow for me. And the last thing I got before we get out of here, Rick, go to break. Okay, before you get to that, do you see, say, in a couple of weeks in Green Bay, him making a significant impact? You're a fantasy player. Do you think he's a significant impact? Do you think he sits behind James Starks? The only place he makes any type of impact, and this is a very, very likely scenario that James Starks gets hurt again. Because he's had these opportunities, <laughs> yeah. right, where the number one guy goes down, and we all say, man, rush out and get James Starks. Because in, in his brief roles we see him when the starter's in, he has nothing but success. But he immediately he is hurt by halftime right. or whatever game he's the starter. So, you know, could he see some car- – I, I still think you're going to see what you saw last week, even if they're losing these games like they have been. We're going to talk about that game later on in the show. But you're going to see throw. You're going to see Aaron Rodgers throwing that ball 50 times a game. That's just who they are right now. It, it's just simple as that. Yeah. So is he going to have any type of significant impact? Absolutely not. And last thing here, Rick, real quick. Gronk not practicing today. Listed as a chest injury. A lot of rumors out there on the Internet, as, as President Bush would say, that it was actually a punctured lung. Of course, you're, they're not going to tell you in New England. We're not going to know till Friday whether or well, not he I gets I heard un- there was no punctured lung. So now lung. they're saying no punctured right. lung. Uh-huh. But wasn't even in the facility today for practice. So something you'll have to keep an eye on heading into this weekend, whether or not – you've got Gronk or it becomes a big, big Martellus Bennett weekend. Yeah, and I've certainly cautioned everybody to start Martellus Bennett. Okay, that's about going to wrap up uh, this segment here. I think in segment two, Rick, I think maybe we ought to uh, tackle a little bit of this uh, NCAA football playoff race that's coming to a head here and uh, a lot of interesting teams that are still alive. Uh, yeah, why not? We'll take a break from the pros here a little bit, talk some college football, maybe get to our game ball, stinky socks, all that and more here exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. All 
All right, welcome back to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network. So, Rick, let's take a little break here from the pros. We, we got a lot to get to. We'll get to our game balls, stinky socks, takeaways, all the stuff you're looking for. But I know, Rick, you had some thoughts and wanted to discuss this college football playoff a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone called for playoffs, so they, they came up with playoffs, and now it's it's four teams. Of course, now they're already screaming for eight teams. Pretty soon they'll be playing football into March. But um, it's interesting. And um, as it sits right now, the, the playoff rankings, obviously Alabama's number one, best team in the nation. Number two is Ohio State. Number three is Michigan. Number four, Clemson. Number five, Louisville. Number six is Washington. Number seven, Wisconsin. And number eight, surprisingly, Penn State. And the top tens round out by Oklahoma and Colorado, which is another surprise in there for as far as the playoff rankings go. But before we get into, in your mind, who you think is going to be there, I mean, obviously, you're going to have to throw Ohio State and or Michigan, or not and or, but one of these Ohio State or Michigan out, correct? I mean, Probably. since they play each other. Probably. And they, and they all have, they both have two losses, or I mean, one loss, so one will have two losses going in. Clemson, they've got the one loss. Louisville has one loss. Washington has one loss. So, I mean, they're basically all still alive. And I, I was looking at this, and it's very – here's something, the old cliche. Defense wins championships, right? Alabama, second overall defense in the country. They're scary. I don't know how much Ohio Alabama State was. They're scary, too. Oh, I know. They got Ohio eight State, pros on that Ohio State defense. Fourth overall defense, okay? Michigan, first overall defense. Clemson, 14th overall defense. Louisville, sixth overall defense. Not to mention the first overall offense. Right. Uh, Washington, now we start getting down. Washington is 19th. Wisconsin's 8th. You know, but there's still, I mean, a lot of re- all top 20 defenses in the entire nation. And they're not playing in rinky dink conferences by no, any stretch. No, maybe Washington. The Pac 12's down, but yeah. that's still. It's still a fertile recruiting base. It may be down as a whole, but there, there's a lot of good individual players in that conference. Exactly. Anyway, let, let's look. Alabama, they're 10 and 0. Really, the only thing that that you could call to uh, you know a red flag is the last game of the year against Auburn possible loss maybe if they lose to Auburn I still think they're there oh there's there's just no okay. question about it Ohio State still has Michigan State Michigan Michigan State should be a big game but they stink this they're year terrible okay Michigan has Ohio State one of these two teams say for a tie is going to lose right right Clemson has Wake and South Carolina. You have to assume they're going to win both of those. Louisville has a tough game against Houston, and but they get by that. They're probably in the in the hunt now. I have to assume Louisville's in, even though they're right now they're five. A Michigan Ohio State loss, Louisville wins out. I think they're in. Clemson's in. So it, it's all is it set in stone? I don't know. Is, is it going to be Alabama? either Ohio State, Michigan, and then Clemson, Louisville? Or is there a back door for a Washington or a Wisconsin to get in there? No, i, I got to be honest, Rick. I honestly here, – here's my thoughts on this playoff. And I'll, I'll commiserate that 
I was one of the people who wanted to see a playoff. And it's kind of one of those be careful what you wish for things. So here's the thing we need to understand about the playoffs that, that the general fan needs to understand and, and that I'm just starting to fully grasp. This has nothing to do with your conference champions. This has nothing to do really with one loss record. This is like the NCAA, cha- NCAA tournament in basketball without the automatic bids. This committee is going to sit down using whatever BS formula they have And they're going to say, these are the four teams we think are the best four in the country. And that's the important part. We think are the best four in the country, top four in the country. Go ahead. Well, I'm I'm pulling something up because I wanted to stop you there because that was going to be my next point. But you're starting starting to, to hit on it. The playoff rankings aren't the same as... The regular rankings. No, no, no. But see, that that's the thing. So why do we have the rankings if they're going to be different from the playoff rankings? You, you follow. Because well, USA Today likes to have their name attached to it. I mean, it's... Well, but 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 what what are the point of the coaches' polls? What are the, what's the point of What was ever the, the point AP? of them? They're just conversation well, points b- is what they because are. Because AP used to decide the right. national title. But, but they don't anymore. No. So, to your point, they're, they're useless, right? I'm, it really means nothing. Right. So, so the bottom <laughs> line is they're going to sit down, they're going to pick the four best teams, which is why, Rick, I don't know how they justify it, but I honestly think, you know, assuming Clemson wins out, wins the ACC title, they're in. You know, it was a bad loss to Pitt at home, I guess. But they've always danced on the edge, and it had been two years or whatever since they lost a game. So that one game, they got lucky in the fact that Michigan and Washington also lost, so it's easy to justify keeping them in that top four, right? You don't even have to justify it. Everybody that was important except for Alabama and Ohio State lost last week. So Alabama, we don't even need to talk about it. Unless they would lose to Auburn and lose the SEC championship game, they're in. It, it doesn't matter. They can lose one of them, and they're in. And I don't envision them losing e- either of them. So we don't have to talk about one. Clemson, if they win out, win the ACC title game, Clemson's in. Brings to mind yet another point. Why do we have to have a conference title game? Why? Yeah, cha-ching. Why? That's why. Well, cha-ching. Well, we don't need to, and that's the whole well, point of where I'm going with it. Well, you, well, you're right. I mean, but see that that's the thing. If uh, it's so frustrating because money dictates stuff that is totally ridiculous. I mean, number one, dividing. They've made these conferences too big. Right. The, the Big Ten is the Has big forty-eight. Teams, yeah. You know. <laughs> And then they divide them into divisions. And then the divisions have to play each other for this conference title, which is, and I'm sure you remember, and I don't even remember what year it was, Kansas State. I think it was a top five team, undefeated. Mm-hmm. or I remember one when they had those like teams 10 or 12 years yeah. ago, yeah. And Texas A&M comes trucking in at 7-4 and four or something. Well, they play the game of their life, right. win the conference title. It's kind of like college basketball. But in football, it's not getting them a bid for the national title. Right. All it's doing is making a team, say like Alabama, 
you know, that they're going to go undefeated. They're still going to have to play yet another game right. to be this conference champion. That's ridiculous. Cha-ching, baby. It's ridic- I, know the, I know the answer. I mean, that's yeah. not – I mean, it's, re- it's a rhetorical question right. when I say, why do they have to do this? Obviously, we know all it is is greed. Right. But you're putting these kids at risk. You're putting a, an undefeated season at risk for nothing. I mean, what would happen if Alabama lost to whoever? Who's going to win that other division? I don't even know, quite frankly. It doesn't matter. Whoever has the right to get their doors blown off by Alabama in the Georgia Dome, you know, it, it doesn't matter. But, well, but, but that's my point. I don't know if I buy the putting the kids at risk, putting the perfect season at risk. What's it, what's it matter? It's completely subjective. Anyhow, when we get to the point of this playoff, it's 100% and completely subjective. Well, no. It's, it's, and as a fan, it gives me one more game. And don't tell me it puts the kids at risk because the NCAA doesn't care about the kids. Well, I know they The don't NFL care doesn't about care them. about the kids when they get there, so or they wouldn't play preseason games and everything else. So I don't. it should mean something to me, but I've gotten jaded enough to where it doesn't. Get your money. That's one more week of really finally good football I get to watch. I'll watch it. So will you? No, I'm not gonna. I I don't watch. Uh, if Alabama's twelve and zero, and they're playing a whatever, eight and three Florida team for the SEC title, I won't watch that game. You'll I check I, in on it. I get. I get. No, I won't. I won't, I check the scores, but I'm not gonna sit and watch a game, a meaningless game. If Alabama loses. It's a fluke to me. They're still the conference championship, and they're still going to be in the title game. Yeah, well, they still will be. You the know, national title. Yeah, I mean. to say they're still the conference champion to you, I don't necessarily buy that. How many five and six seeds in the NFL have we seen win Super Bowls? Are they not the true champions to you? You know, is that the totally, case? Is that are the two totally th- different? Totally different. It's it's the same thing as like in college basketball. If Duke goes twenty whatever, twenty seven and two, I don't even know how many games they play anymore. Around thirty. Okay. Say they go say they go twenty nine and two. Okay. Okay. And and I like using NC State because they're notorious for this. Right. They go nineteen and twelve, go on a run and Say okay, say maybe even Duke runs the table until that game and they get upset. Okay, is NC State? And I know you're going to say yes, but I'm I'm wanting to to. Are they really the true championship? Why do they play the regular season if being 29 and two means nothing? It, but they, how does that differ from the NFL? Or any pro sport. Because, Rick, I mean, it's not the same thing. They're playing a regular season in the NFL. Okay, you're whatever, 9-7, and seven, uh-huh. and you happen to get into the playoffs. Right. You're in the playoffs. Right. Well, that's my point. They won the conference tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. Okay. All right. Now, if they go on a run and they win, yes, they're the national champion. However, being nineteen and twelve 
in the ace i don't know what the the conference record would be but i mean even if it's say 500 something like that and just because they won the the tournament to get into the tournament okay how are they the conference champion when say duke went i don't know pick a number 15 and 1 in conference all right but to they use, are the champion but to use the same words if this year the new england patriots finished the season 14 and 2 the steelers finished the season 8 and 8 the Steelers beat them in a conference championship game to get to the game that determines the champion. The Steelers are still the conference champion. I don't see a distinction there whatsoever. Oh, there's a total big distinction. And they look, you can say, and you see it in college sports. Here's here's where where I think our disconnect is. There, there are two things at play now in major college sports. You have your conference that I see now with these conference championships and these two divisions and everything most of these big conferences are doing, these are being set up more in your traditional league type of, you know, NFL model pro type of setup. We got this conference and we got this conference and the two guys that win this conference or each conference are going to play for the championship of this conference. Now, then it's sort of in, in it's in a shell of its own underneath the bigger picture of which is where I think you draw the distinction because there's 300 division 1 teams, it's a totally separate issue of how we crown a national champion. But I'm sorry if if the conference sets up the rules as professional leagues set up the rules, we're going to play the regular season. If you meet these criteria, you get to play for the championship, and the winner of the championship is the champion. I can't. I agree with you. Alabama, in your scenario, is the better team, but they didn't win the conference championship. They lost. And all this means nothing because no. even if they lose it, they're going to the playoffs. So <laughs> we can throw all this out the window anyhow. But okay. But the okay. This is this is the disconnect that. In my mind, you're seeing that that is is registering me. You look at um, any any tournament, conference tournament, but we'll stick with the SEC because okay. you know in basketball. Okay, they like in football. They're playing a they're playing a regular season. Okay, and it's divided into two divisions. Okay. This has nothing to do with basketball because when the regular season is over in basketball, now pick a team, South Carolina basketball, that finished with one win is still allowed to play in the conference tournament. In the NFL, the Cleveland Browns won't be in the playoffs for the American Conference. They're not in, period. Well, that's the point. But how it's structured in terms of who qualifies for these tournaments, to, to the, use air quotes, is irrelevant. If you no, meet the criteria to be in the tournament. There is no criteria in college basketball. Well, certainly. They, they draw the, the seeding. You, no, you it has, it, talk about that 17 and 12 seed. They beat the top four seeds in that tournament. It doesn't mean anything. That's the well, point. Well, it doesn't mean anything. No, <laughs> it means they won. No. You're Winning is good. The point, Winning is idiot. good. Winning no. is good. But the point is, DePaul's in a conference t- championship if they don't win a game. And that's not 
Correct. But no. You don't get to the playoffs no. by losing every game during the regular season. That, Simple as that. Losing what, is bad. No, that's losing where is bad. That is where you're wrong. No. That is where you're wrong because the rules are set up that you can get into it. Notice how I picked and on then, the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, it's the rules are set up that, yes, in in fact, in this conference, what's DePaul in the American, I think, in that conference, yeah. if you have zero wins in conference, we're still going to put you in the tournament. But it doesn't we matter. are going to make you every, eligible to play for the championship. But every conference is set up that way, Rick. So what? But that's that's wrong. So you just throw that's, it out? What do you mean it's wrong? What do you, of course you throw them out. You can't throw them out. The rules are set up as such. Change them. That's the... God, that's the that's the whole point of what the discussion is. Well, what first of all, what the hell does any of this have to do with the college football playoff? I'd like to know where, where, where you're even know. where well, you're even going with this. Because we are in the asylum, yeah. <laughs> we get sidetracked a little bit. Well, we didn't get sidetracked. Your whole argument, something about Alabama, and now we're talking about freaking DePaul. You think they're going to go no, over in the conference and shouldn't of, get to play in their conference tournament? We started talking about how conference playoffs in football. Or well, you're an old curmudgeon and you don't like it. That's what well, this no, boils down to. No, it's just kind to. of ridiculous when it comes to the whole national t- title thing. Where in, where in basketball, okay, like for, okay, getting back to football, just for example, if Florida beats Alabama in the conference title game, right. Florida's okay, not making the playoff. Well, that's the point. Okay, but in basketball, they would. No, they get to go on to the next tournament. They're the conference championship, and now they get to go to the national championship tournament. Well, that's Florida doesn't get to go to the national championship tournament by winning this. See, that's because you can look at this from either angle. You can look at it from the well, Alabama. That's, the whole, that's, what, that's my point. You just proved my point. How the hell did I prove your point? If Florida won the SEC... Right. Okay. Well, you're saying they didn't win the SEC. They may have won that game, but they didn't win the SEC. No, I'm talking in about... In your mind, because you get to determine by the eye test no. who the conference champion I'm is. Ta- that game's meaningless to I'm you. talking about conference tournaments as they are right well, now. They, there isn't a conference tournament. There's one game. It's not a tournament. There's one game. They're not playing a football oh, tournament. God almighty. I mean, it's like pulling teeth out of a chicken with you here right now. I'm trying to make a point, and you're trying to dissuade Maybe me when I, I... The only point I see is on top of your head at this point. Well, I mean, you're the conehead when it gets right I down to it. I thought I had a it. flathead. Make up your damn mind. Well, you are funny. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you picking were waiting in, on that. You picking, I set you that. up, pick an insult, and stick with it. You just invalidated everything you said. You're just throwing crap against the wall well, and trying to see what sticks. It's a figurative pointy head. That's all. <laughs> no, conference. Okay, understand. Okay, let's say conference playoff since, you know, you don't want to say tournament because the playoffs one game. Well, the point is tournament. The point is, if Florida wins the conference playoffs in basketball, they go to the opportunity to play for the national title. Which right. basically in football it's a four team tournament. Right. Okay. Well, in football, if they win the conference championship, they don't. Well, because they're only letting four teams in versus sixty four. 68, 72, however damn many there are now. All the more reason why an Alabama should not have to play an inferior team to determine a conference champion when they can go and be the national championship. It, to me, just makes no sense. I know the rules are set up that way, and and, I, and, and you're so black and white. I understand that that's the way that's set up, and that's the way it plays. But to me, 
when I say these things, I'm saying the rules should be changed because they basically make no sense. Yeah, let, let's give back millions of dollars. Let's take away the opportunity. What if you're... Rhetorical, no. I know it's about money. Well, I get that. But what if you are you know, where it comes in perfect? What if you are one-loss Louisville? Now, I don't know how the ACC sets up, but you're one-loss Louisville. This isn't going to happen because I'm pretty sure they're in the same division. This isn't going to happen, but they get into the championship game against Clemson. Now it means something. So now are you only going to – whoever wins that game is going to get in. What happens if Ohio State goes out and beats Michigan? Well, I think that – yeah, because Ohio State can't get in the playoff because they've already lost to Penn State or they can't get into the conference championship game. So Ohio State beats Michigan. Now Penn State has an opportunity to play for the conference title. Now they have an argument for it. These conference title games become pretty important in the national purview of things. This could be a discussion that we can have later on in the, in the season here. But right now, we, uh, you know, for you, the listeners of the Asylum, Audible is offering a free audio book download with a free 30-day <laughs> trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Arena Sportsnet's November recommendation is called Crush It, written and narrated by Gary Vaynerchuk. If you ever thought about being an entrepreneur, now's the time to do so. Download this book free with your 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash arenasportsnet. That's a November recommendation from Audible Trial. And, uh, you know, just to let you know, it is audibletrial.com slash arenasportsnet. And you can get uh, that free Crush It written and narrated by Gary Vanderchuk. Well, get on it and do it. Quit being so cheap. Bring some money. And so we got here, Rick, about six, seven minutes left in the segment. So let, let's bring it all back. I have no clue what we were talking about or why. You know, all I take away from it is you're an old curmudgeon. Oh, we have to have balls and socks, though. Well, we, we, got, we got more show for that. We'll, we'll get to it. That, that'll be just fine. So let's close it with this. Bottom line, Alabama's in no matter what, whether they play this game you hate or not. <laughs> let's and, say drop two in yeah, a row, which is not going to And happen. even then they may get in. This is the point <laughs> I'm getting at. All right, so we say the winner between Ohio State and Michigan's in, and you're right about that. I don't know that we eliminate the, the team who loses that game. Quite frankly, I really don't. My point on this whole college playoff, which is why I don't necessarily care to sit down and break it down, Number one, this is a TV show. They're going to pick four teams they think are going to bring the biggest ratings in. Number two, they have a preconceived notion of who these four teams should be. And you know who those four teams are, Rick. They're the four teams one through four right now. You can make an argument for Louisville just because they want to get Lamar Jackson, who's going to win the Heisman. They want to get him on national TV. But they know, based on the eye test, sort of to go, I think you'd fit well on this committee. They want to look at the eye test, and they're going to determine the four best teams are these four teams. I don't think, let's say Ohio State beats Michigan. We're just going to go on that assumption. Okay. I, I, think that's, I think the game's in Ohio State, so that's Yeah, we'll probably, go with that. If it's Michigan, we'll go Michigan. I think Michigan's still in. I, I truthfully think Michigan's – you're not going to put in a Louisville over Jim Harbaugh and Michigan after all the hype they've gotten. You, I don't see it happening. Well – I know, but you just may with with a, with a Michigan. Um, yeah, Harbaugh is one thing, but you know Jackson's another thing, right? And, and I think that could be a wash as far as TV. So I'm I'm not I, I may disagree. Michigan's there. I, a much bigger football market than true. is Louisville, Kentucky. Well, you know, if we're I, talking I, basketball, all right. Now, now it's a different conversation. I agree there too, but I mean Louisville doesn't have. Um, 
it's not totally obscure like TCU and Baylor were a few years ago. You you remember when they were right, undefeated right. or one loss, whatever. And they don't have a conference championship, so what happened? They both got left out. And, and they were snubbed. But Louisville, I mean, they finished under Schnellenberger. I remember they finished top five in the rankings, and, and they've, they've had some Sugar Bowl wins and so forth. And with Jackson in there, I'm not so sure they get out. Clemson, I can't see getting out obviously no because they, no, they could lose again they keep playing close <laughs> they look well, good yeah but they're playing everybody close so they, they could get nipped again they, they certainly could now a two loss clemson you knock out i don't think you knock out a two necessarily a two loss michigan or ohio state team no you're probably right there but what would be really interesting is say um i'm trying to think who would be playing Say a Michigan beat Ohio State by one. We'll we'll just do that. And say Nebraska loses. Now Michigan plays Wisconsin. Wisconsin beats them. Say they beat them by two touchdowns. Just – this is this is way well, the way out I'm there. seeing it setting up that the Wisconsin, Big Ten championship game is going to be Wisconsin and Penn State. Like Michigan and Ohio State aren't going to make this conference championship game based on the losses they have. Well, no, Michigan only has the one loss, and that's to um, to Iowa. Yeah, they lost to Iowa. And Penn State beat Ohio State. Penn State beat Ohio State. Michigan beat Penn State. So I don't know if if Michigan beats Ohio State. Because of overall record, I think Michigan still gets to that playoff. Oh, no doubt about it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, they're in the same division. They're all three, six, and one in that division. Right. But they have a victory over Penn State, so that's why I think Michigan will be in Well, yeah, so you're assuming Michigan beats Ohio State. Then you're right. Yeah, if Ohio State beats Michigan, Penn State's in. Right. But what I'm saying is, say Michigan squeezes one out real close to Ohio State. Okay. Wisconsin, in in the playoff game, just for some some weird reason, however they would happen to do it against that defense, I don't know. But through their they, own defense, that say be they beat them by say. Well, what I'm saying, say they beat them by two two and a half touchdowns. Wisconsin's then right. Wisconsin's probably in. Wisconsin's right there at number seven. That's what I'm saying. Is there a back door for some of these for a I high profile team? There is for Penn State and for Wisconsin. That's it. I, I truly don't believe Louisville gets in. No chance Washington gets in. Nobody, including that committee, respects the Pac-12 this year. You know, if USC hadn't started so slow, we could talk about USC the way they're playing now. But that Pac-12 is horrific. Yeah, and they've got three losses. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't put them in there. But, but that's right. what I mean. But they they completely disre- they disrespected Washington when they first came out with them before Washington even had the loss. So you can throw Washington out. Yeah. So Wisconsin, Penn State at 7 or 8, those are your backdoor plays. I just frankly don't think, knowing the way the NCAA works, when they get to make judgment calls. Louisville's not a big enough market. The Lamar Jackson thing does muddy the waters just a little bit. I would want Lamar Jackson in my showcase, but I think they'd also like those Big Ten markets a little bit better. So if your scenario plays out, yeah, Wisconsin probably gets in. Or if it works out the other way and Ohio State wins this game, See, but now you're looking at Penn State beating Wisconsin. I don't know if they – I think Michigan would still get in over Penn State in that scenario, but it would be a conversation. I'm still thinking a a two-loss Big Ten team. I think Louisville sneaks in with the number one ranked offense in the country and the number six ranked defense. I I just don't think even – I don't think they think they'd lose that much revenue, especially with Jackson – 
and with the resume that they have. I, I we'll we'll go leave yeah, it at that. Yeah, I mean we can agree to disagree on that, but I, I think the larger point is it has less to do about the resume than True. it does about the program and the conference. I think we can't, after all of this, I think we can agree <laughs> on that anyhow. All right, Rick, well, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little AFC North when we're done with that. I promise we'll get into our balls and socks back into fantasy football here exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. Welcome back to the Asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs on the Arena Sports Network, and uh, we have Cincinnati's own James Rapine coming in from ESPN 1530 and Fox Sports 1360. He's uh, the host of Locked on Bengals, and um, I'll tell you what, this guy is like the Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio of Cincinnati from what I hear. James, <laughs> welcome into the Asylum. What's going on, guys? Oh, I tell you what, uh, you know, as you well know, we uh, ask you on because you are basically a Bengals insider. We do a lot of covering for Pittsburgh Steelers, and we wanted to talk a little AFC North. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, I wish this division was something better to talk about this year. Yeah, it's it's a down, and I'm surprised that really that, uh, that the Ravens are in the lead right now in the AFC North. And I'm uh, – Man, I, I don't know. I could, the Bengals, five straight playoff appearances. We all know about the Steelers and, and, and what they do on a yearly basis. So halfway through the season, I, I'm pretty surprised at the state of the AFC North. Yeah, just looking at it briefly, I mean, Cleveland's Cleveland, okay? Baltimore's defense has healed up and is much better than what I thought. Their offense is just as vanilla as normal. Pittsburgh's defense stinks, and Cincinnati just seems to be underperforming on both sides, really. You're right about the Bengals. They're they're underperforming on both sides, and defensively, that's been the talk here in Cincinnati is everyone's on the defense, and they have underperformed, and the fans are right about that. But the offense, especially in the past couple of weeks, in London, uh, underperformed. I think uh, even though they had 27 points, they could have had 40, and they, they they missed some key opportunities there, which led to a tie with the Redskins. And then on Monday Night Football, they scored 20 points, and partially was set up. Three of those points were set up from an interception. Uh, one of their touchdowns was set up from a, a long kickoff return. So really, their offense the past couple weeks struggling, and the Bengals just look out of it. And right now, I, I can't see them. Even though mathematically they're in it, I can't see them making a run and winning the AFC North. Yeah, it's a mind-bender. And I have to admit, as a blind stealer homer, Rick, and you know this, I I picked the Cincinnati Bengals to be the AFC's representative in the Super Bowl this year. I believe (laughs) in what they were doing that much. And it was about the defense. It seems to me, and you'd have a better insight to this, just in watching the game, it almost seems just to watch them, it's like they got old between the end of the wild card game last year and this year. They seem a step slow. I know you were without Perfect for a few weeks, but he's back, and we haven't seen a huge improvement. It's it's the defense, and I can't wrap my mind around what happened there. And it was was bordering on a dominant defense at the end of last season. And it's funny you mention that because coming into this season, the fans and, and myself and, and various media, we were talking about the wide receivers, the, the weapons that Andy Dalton had in the offense, and we questioned if it would be enough because they lost Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu in free agency. The one thing I wasn't worried about was the defense. 
they, they re-signed George Iloka, which was a key young piece to that secondary. They kept Adam Jones around. who had a career season last year. He only gave up one touchdown in, in coverage last season, and that was the DeAndre Hopkins. So, uh, excuse made right there. I mean, one yeah. of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, this defense, it was the one thing. And they went out and got a guy like Carlos Dansby, veteran who could cover. And he hasn't played relatively well, that well in Vontez Perfect mad at me because I've been critical of his play, but Vontez Perfect has struggled. He looks out of shape, and his defense certainly doesn't look anything like anyone expected uh, expected it would going into the year. All right, hold on. Let's not bury the lead here. Vontez Perfect is legitimately angry at you. He's mad at me. Yes. Oh, that, that's a that's that's fantastic. I think for the career, but a little bit scary. That that guy's just flat nuts. Isn't he? I don't know if I should be excited for you or scared for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it comes with the territory. I did, <laughs> I, I did, I'm surprised he even heard what the heck I said, to be honest with you. But he, he struggled this season. And I, I, it's nothing personal with any players. I've been critical of Andy Dalton this year when he struggled. And I'll be critical of Vontez Perfect when he struggled. And he did play better on Monday night. And the defense, I thought, played better on Monday night and, and played well enough to win. It was the offense that let the team down. That's why they're 3-5-1, and one, and that's why I'm kind of like, eh doesn't seem to be their year despite all that talent they have on paper right i gotta ask you a question here james um you know you look at aj green i mean right now 66 catches 964 yards and four touchdowns but if you look at the cincinnati offense they in the afc they have only outscored cleveland the jets and what was the other team oh jacksonville and i mean (laughs) How big, I mean, you know, Tyler Boyd, Boyd doesn't seem to, in my mind, and, and I may be totally wrong, but how big of a void did um, Muhammad Sanu leave when he went on to Atlanta? And I, you know what I mean? It just seems they, yeah. they seem to be a little bit out of sync. And Sanu, for all his um, uh, contract with Atlanta, doesn't seem to be filling that void in Atlanta, but that he had in Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I think that their biggest loss uh, of the offseason was Marvin Jones. And, and when he went to Detroit, right. he, he was their deep threat. And, and he was, heck, through four or five weeks, he was leading the NFL and receiving in Detroit. And I, I think that hurt them a lot. Muhammad Sanu, not so much. I think Tyler Boyd is, is honestly probably better than Muhammad Sanu in a lot of ways and will be in, in the upcoming years. But the, the offense outside of A.J. Green, who I think is having a career season, probably playing the, probably the best wide receiver in the NFL through the first nine games. And I'm, I, I don't think I'm being a homer there when I say that. He's playing really, really well, destroyed Josh Norman in London. And his numbers were good. They could have been amazing, but Dalton missed them on four or five different deep balls and, and wide-open plays. So I, th- this offense, the, the excuse-making was early on, well, they don't have Tyler Eifert and they go around the goal line, and that was really hurting them, so they were settling for field goals. past couple games they've had Tyler Eifert. He's played well. They're still struggling. Clearly, it wasn't just a, a Tyler Eifert issue. The other thing you you look to, especially nine games in, the offensive coordinator. Hugh Jackson went to Cleveland, now the head coach there. Ken Zampezi, clearly it wasn't a, a flawless transition, and, and the offensive struggled as a result. 
Yeah, and I, I think you have to look at when you talk about the offense is you've got to look at Andy Dalton here. I, you know, in predicting that you know that I thought this team could compete for a championship, it looked to me as we went through last season, he was ready to sort of take that next step forward into almost into the elite quarterback category, at least into the upper echelon of quarterbacks. He strikes me as a whole lot of okay, if that makes sense. He yeah. he doesn't kill you, but he hasn't really taken that step forward. What what's the feeling in Cincinnati going forward? Is the Andy Dalton we're seeing now who Andy Dalton is, or, or is there more there that maybe we can we can pin on the offensive coordinator? To your point, uh, phys- physically, you see it. You see exactly what Andy Dalton is. But last year, you saw what he could be when he has a solid offensive line, which he hasn't had this year. The offensive line has been has played poor and been very inconsistent, and uh, that's a big reason why I think that they've struggled. Uh, but but Andy Dalton has struggled as well uh, in some of the games. On Monday Night Football, you saw, sorry, my dog is barking, but uh, Monday Night Football, he, he struggled the other night. And then in London, that was the first time I was like, oh, that looks like 2013 Andy Dalton <laughs> because he missed A.J. Green on three deep balls. He missed him on a slant that would have probably sealed the game. And then the next play, he had an out route. It was third and nine. A.J. Green wide open again, misses him, and uh, Washington goes down and, and kicks the game-tying field goal. So there's been some plays he's missed in the past couple weeks, and I'm really interested to see how he responds because last year played well, was in the MVP conversation before he got injured. This year played well through the first seven games, I would, I would say, despite the, uh, that offensive line. But the past couple weeks, Andy Dalton struggled. He's kind of... I don't know. I don't want to say taking a step back, but I, I don't know if he's hearing footsteps and, and, and worried about uh, getting hit from just a poor protection or what it is, but he doesn't look the same. He definitely doesn't look like the guy that was in MVP conversation last season. Well, we'll switch gears just for a minute here, and we'll, well let's head to Cleveland. Let, <laughs> this, this won't take too long. <laughs> you know, the only thing that I can say about Cleveland is – they haven't quit. I mean, you know, I, you watch them and they still seem to to um, stay fairly competitive in a lot of these games. And, I mean, you know, I have to throw my hat off to Hugh Jackson for keeping these this team around in the locker room. Yeah, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. They've, they've competed. At times I've watched them and despite having, heck, what, four quarterbacks go down throughout the season, at one point or another, they, they've competed and, and played, you know, and, and been in games. When they, when they came to Cincinnati, they were in the game, and it took a, a freak play at the end of the first half, a Hail Mary to A.J. Green, which he made a spectacular play on to really propel the Bengals to that win. And really, I think Cleveland, they have Hugh Jackson. They're building the right way. I think they're going to make a run, not this season. It'll be a while. It'll be a couple years. But I think they have the right pieces in play. If they don't freak out because of a, let's say they go 0-16, stay the course with Hugh Jackson, I think they'll be fine. Because I really like the, the, the wide receiver group right now with Corey Coleman. He's young. He's going to be really good. I, I, he was my favorite wide receiver entering the draft. And then Terrell Pryor, who in the heck saw him doing what he, he did? And now he's a, one of the best wide receivers in the league. So they need a quarterback. They need some help pretty much everywhere. But they got a, young, a, a lot of young players, a lot of picks. Uh, to address those needs in the future. So I like where they're heading. It's just going to take a while to rebuild the Cleveland Browns. 
Yeah, and I was definitely happy to hear the Browns you know, reaffirm that that Hugh Jackson wasn't on the hot seat whatsoever. And sort of in that vein, talk about the hot seat to bring it back to Cincinnati. I mean, you can't really argue with the, the steps this team has taken under Marvin Lewis, but they keep hitting that playoff wall. Now, now we see this dip. Is there any clamoring for, for a change in Cincinnati? Because I know we're starting to hear the rumblings in Pittsburgh after a slow start. I mean, fans are always going to be fans, especially in Cincinnati, especially with Marvin Lewis. He's been here since 2003, hasn't won a playoff game. I mean, you know you know the narrative. Uh, it, it's it's what it is. And, and if he struggles and they don't make the playoffs, heck, even if they do make the playoffs and they, they lose the first round, we'll be saying the same stuff with Marvin. And what I've been telling people since January is if they're not going to fire Marvin the way that playoff game ended at home when they were up and there, there was really – no reason for them to lose that game. If they don't pull the trigger then, why would they pull it now? I, I just don't see them doing it, and I, I think he'll be the coach here for as long, really, as he wants to be, unless he just really bottoms out, not just this year, but next. And I think it's a refreshing change, quite frankly. And I, I think the same thing Mike Tomlin's safe here in Pittsburgh. I think there's a benefit to these organizations holding on. So I wasn't going to bring it up, but you did. So I'm just curious, as someone who's in the media, what it was like in Cincinnati after that playoff game last year. It can only be described as an absolute meltdown. I'm sure you can you can assume the way it was it was viewed here in Pittsburgh. What was it like being in Cincinnati after that happened? Oh, yeah, I mean, it was like there was a dark cloud over the city because they were down 15 nothing entering the fourth quarter. People forget that because of what happened, in, you know, in the next 13 minutes uh, of game time, and they came back, and they scored the touchdown, and they're winning. And I was at, at a bar where everyone was jumping up and down, and they were hugging each other. It was crazy. And then and then Vontez that has the interception, and, and it's over, right? It's over. It should be done. And then it wasn't. And everyone's heart got ripped out. I mean, that's that's pretty much uh, the feeling. And, and I can't imagine how it felt for Marvin. He finally he felt like he he was going to get his first playoff win with a backup quarterback. And now instead, it's it's the same old Bengals. And the narrative changes. And well, should they move on from him? But I mean, those are the breaks. The 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 error and the the difference between winning and losing in the NFL is so slim. And uh, whether it's a fumble or a stupid penalty. That, that can cost you, and it did. It, it cost the Bengals in January. And as of now, at 3-5-1 and one this year, they haven't recovered. So it, it's certainly interesting to see. It'll be interesting to look back on. Was that the moment that potentially ended the, the Marvin Lewis era or, or that particular era with the Bengals? Who knows? It, it might be in hindsight as we look back, as uh, depending on how the season plays out. Yeah, that's true. And you know they talk about like Super Bowl hangovers, but you know certain losses, you know, in situations like that can probably carry over as well. Something that did not carry over. I mean, after that disaster season last year, I mean, there's Baltimore sitting there right now, number one defense in the NFL, first against a rush, uh, under 72 yards a game, and fifth against a pass. I mean, they are stifling just about everybody. The offense, I mean, I've never bought into, you know, the Super Bowl year when Joe Flacco had the air show. And quite frankly, they just don't have to. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that defense is, is back. They've moved on. It took them a, a few years, but moved on from the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed transition. And now that they're playing well. Baltimore, it's funny because to me, on paper, Baltimore isn't better than Cincinnati. They're definitely not better than Pittsburgh. 
and yet they find themselves in first place. And Joe Flacco hasn't played relatively well from what I've seen. He's kind of been average. So it, it's really kind of crazy how they've done it. It's not like they have a great running game. It's not like they have great wide receivers. I mean, Mike Wallace has played okay. Steve Smith, the same thing. But, I mean, where are they great on offense? Nowhere right now. And yet they're first in the AFC North. I think it says more about the other teams and how they've played than it does the Ravens. And, and their schedule gets worse or gets tougher. So I expect that record to drop some. I don't think they win the AFC North either. I think I think Pittsburgh's going to end up taking it. All right. Well, you, you stole my last question. We were we were going to get you out of there on that. Yeah. So so you look at it offensively. You know, the game will be the game to watch will be the December eighteenth game when Pittsburgh heads down there to Cincinnati. What what yeah. what that offense can do? The Steelers' defense. You lose Cam Hayward now. You worry they're just not going to be able to stop anyone. But you'd think looking around that division, they they should be able if you can keep uh, Ben Roethlisberger upright. Which is where I get really nervous about heading to Cincinnati because Vontez Burfict. Your boy just loves to bend everyone in half that wears black and gold. So, so you, you you think when it all when it all shakes out, it's probably the Steelers at the end. Yeah, I, I think they're the best team. I was, I was having a conversation today, and I I, I have a bunch of I follow Steelers fans because I like to keep the, the the tab on you know how they feel about whatever game or, or the temperature of the fan base, and I I see it, and they're worried and. If I was a Steelers fan, I don't know if I would be worried. I know you lose to Dallas, but they, the offense played well. You knew your defense wasn't super awesome going into this year, but as long as Roethlisberger's healthy, you look at that schedule, I think they they, they probably win the AFC North by two games. And You mentioned the December game against Cincinnati. It's not like Big Ben's afraid to come here in Ohio and win. He's, he's done it plenty, and uh, I, I think as of right now, if they were to play, Pittsburgh would win because – the Bengals have played the Redskins and the Giants, guys. I mean, teams that aren't that scary on paper, and they couldn't they couldn't outscore them. That they couldn't get a key first down in London to, to seal the game against the Redskins, and they couldn't score more than twenty points the other night on Monday Night Football. That's not beating the Steelers because the Steelers' defense—they're going to be physical enough with the Bengals. They're going to have to probably score 25, 28 points, something in that range. And, and I just don't see the Bengals' offense doing it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go along with you there. Not, you know, obviously because we're Steeler homers here, but you're right. I mean, the the um, if Cincinnati can't outscore like like Washington, some of these teams, you don't want to be getting into a shootout with with that Pittsburgh offense. And you know, that's basically what's going to happen because Pittsburgh's defense can't seem to stop anybody either. But yeah, you're right. If it if it goes to a shootout between offenses, my money's going on Ben over Andy Dalton. You know, but uh, I agree. I I, I just think it, it time's going to tell on um, Baltimore's defense if it can hold up. I'm with you. I'm not sure it can hold up. You know, with the schedule as it's starting to play out, and it's Pittsburgh's division still to lose. But God, they can do it. <laughs> eight and eight. <laughs> yeah, they, they yeah. can lose it. So. Yeah, no, I, it's still wide open, and who knows? Who knows what could happen in this division? I mean, going into the year, we thought it was one of the better, at least I did. I thought it was one of the better divisions in football. I thought Baltimore would take a step forward, and I thought Cincinnati and, and Pittsburgh would be up there uh, battling for the division crown. And it doesn't look like anyone's going to be up there record-wise, but uh, nine wins should definitely do it in this division, which 
I would have laughed at if you would have told me that at the beginning of the year. Oh no doubt. I think I had Cincinnati at twelve and four and Pittsburgh chasing them eleven and five. So I think we missed on that one. All right, James. Well, we won't we won't take up any more of your time. We sure do appreciate it. Why don't you take a second and uh, let everybody know where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you can follow me on Twitter at James Rapine. I have a blog on uh, 700wlw.com and ESPN1530.com. And uh, I post about the Bengals there, but I post all kinds of stuff, funny videos, uh, random stuff uh, that I think is cool. So it's not just sports on that blog. And then I I host a daily uh, podcast covering the Bengals. It's called Locked on Bengals. You can subscribe to it on uh, iTunes. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, much appreciated. All right, James Reprene, check him out on Twitter. Check out the blog. We sure appreciate it. Let's uh, if we if we get another wild card game, let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hope we do. That would yeah. be fun. Yeah, that would be a good time. I, I doubt it, but it'll be enjoyable. All right, James. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. Uh, thanks, man. You too. Appreciate it, James. All right, there he goes, Rick. James Rapine. Good good insight. We were able to keep it civil with a Bengals fan, Rick. I'm most proud of us there. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not from Baltimore, so, I mean, <laughs> it, it's it, it's okay. But, uh, yeah, James Rapine, if you happen to be listening and you're in the Cincinnati area, uh, you know, check him out at James Rapine on Twitter. He's on ESPN 1530 and Fox Sports 1360 out of Cincinnati. All right, so let's finish this. We've got, we got a few minutes left here this segment, Rick, and we'll, we'll come back in. We promise for the last segment will be all fantasy football all the time. But let's get our Steeler rant out of the way. So, so James was uh, – a little warmer on the Steelers than we are to give you the temperature of what's going on in Pittsburgh. We That's have the temperature. Cincinnati's three five yeah. and one. That's why <laughs> we got the temperature in Cincinnati. You, there's always clamoring in James. Right? There's always clamoring for the coach. You get on a bad streak. There's always a clamoring going after the coach. So I got two questions for you, Rick. In your opinion, number one, what's wrong with the Steelers? And number two, because I know one of the answers is going to be at least Mike Tomlin's in-game coaching. We know what the Pittsburgh organization's going to do. What do you think they should do? I am under – okay, this is what I think. You know, I called out – I think – I don't know if it was on the slander last week's show. I basically called out the Steeler coaching staff after that debacle against uh, – what was it? Not Dallas the week before. Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, they come out – yeah, after the bye. They come, come out flat. Just totally flat. They look totally unprepared. And I, I think – you know, I think that starts with Mike Tomlin. I think he's got to instill a little fear into these guys somewhere along the line. But more than that, Keith Butler, Dick LeBeau's protege, is basically the same same thing. They don't have the personnel to run that That's defense. That's what it is. I think they need to make a defensive coordinator change, quite frankly. Either that or he himself has got to make – a drastic defensive scheme change because this just is not getting it done. They cannot stop anybody. They've got to they have so many places to address on the Steeler defense. They're not pressuring the quarterback. They're not getting turnovers. Their secondary is horrendous. And their linebackers, the skill set of linebackers to me is just not there to run that scheme. Not for the way they play that defense. Dick LeBeau had set up years and years ago, and it's got to change. Uh, you know, your Baltimore's uh, Baltimore looks ready for them every time because they know what they're going to do. Nothing right. seems to change. So that to me is the glaring gap in Pittsburgh. Yeah, they've addressed offensively; they're great. But but even offensively, 
like against Baltimore. They looked horrible. I mean, there's no yeah, reason. We talk about Ben's got three or four into them, right? Three or four of those games in him every season. It's just, it's who he is. So I don't know if you can pin that on the coach. Not number one on the defense. Well, here's what I don't understand, and I'd like to, you know, if we had an X's and O's football guy, you can maybe tell me why this is stupid. But as I watch the games, what goes through my mind is when you're you're sitting back, you know, they don't blitz anymore. Blitzburg is dead. You're sitting back, and you're still getting burnt. If you're going to get burnt anyhow, why aren't you blitzing? Try to make the play there, right? Run blitz, pass blitz, whatever you have to do. Try to make plays at the line of scrimmage because you know you're getting burnt in the secondary irregardless. Now, maybe it's not as easy as that. I'll accept it, but that's my takeaway. But number two, what you really nailed on it, you know, we want to blame Mike Tomlin. You talk about the defensive coordinator. You want to blame him. They don't have the horses. You know, if not Mike Tomlin, it, it's Kevin Colbert that needs to be having a conversation with Mr. Rooney. These drafts have been bad. You know, the Steelers historically great in, in the draft. And over these last six or seven years, they're drafting all these college defensive ends, trying to convert them to linebackers like they did so successfully in the 90s and the early 2000s. It isn't working anymore. It's player development. It's drafting. They simply do not have the horses on that defense to compete. Now, they can go out and outscore anybody any given week, which is what gives Steeler fans hope, which is what makes you think they may still win this division because if, with enough division games, they can score enough and get in the playoffs. If you get in the playoffs and you put together two games of 35-plus, you, you may win, and now all of a sudden it, it looks like a good season. But it's just the horses aren't there defensively, and it's Kevin Colbert who I think is the issue with this team. Yeah, I, I it, it very well could be. I mean, they're – you know – they made a concerted effort, you know, to beef up that O line in in past years, um, and and offensive weapons, obviously, with Le'Veon Bell, Sammy Coates, so forth. But they never see, and they get linebackers. They'll draft linebackers, but they never draft that Patrick Peterson or or somebody like that. And Artie Burns secondary. may end up being that guy. He's acquitted himself fairly well. Since he he's been he True. began playing regularly, yeah, we don't know yet. No, we're not sure yet. You're right. Um, I did like the move of bringing in Justin Gilbert. I haven't seen much from him. <laughs> yeah, what's he doing? Mopping the floors? Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah, understand I, that. I don't know I, if he's shining shoes yeah, while they're playing or what. But I don't know. I it's it came to mind. And maybe it's not nothing to do with the Steelers, but you know maybe it's just the NFL as a whole. But you know, I came across I was on Twitter, you know, and I saw somebody had retweeted a quote by John Wooden, and you know it was like the best or what is it, the most valuable player or the best player? I'm paraphrasing. Best player on a team is every other is the rest of the team. Right. Okay. You know, you look at like Vince Lombardi, you know, individual commitment to a group effort. That is what makes a team work. You know, are the, are some of these teams out of sync because of the stars? I mean, I guess that's maybe getting off the subject Well, no, a it's not bit. because that was going to be my next point. We don't have a lot of time for this. What The other thing I see where we have struggles on offensive, uh, we have struggles offensively in Pittsburgh is the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is running that offense. 
He's calling those plays. He's dictating. You, you watch it. You know, Tomlin could override yeah. him, and that's a failure on Tomlin's part. But he's dictating all these ridiculous two-point conversions early in the game that really put him behind the eight. But that would have been a whole game would have played out completely differently. Yeah, if they it would. Had exactly. The first, first three extra points. Ben Roethlisberger's dictating that. And so I think it makes a point. Does Ben think he's bigger than the team? Well, generally in the NFL, the quarterback is, right? The star quarterback is. Is he be given too much? He he looks he acts like Peyton Manning on the field, and he's a great quarterback, and he's a Hall of Famer, but he ain't Peyton Manning when it comes to being a student of the game and having knowledge of how to go out and run that offense. I think that needs to be reined in a little bit, and that sort of fits in with, with the narrative you were speaking to there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's been giving or been getting too much control on certain things. Now, I can see you walk up and you read a defense or something and you want to change – Whatever the play is, something like that. But to dictate two-point conversion, like you said, that game would have played out totally different against Dallas, and I think the outcome would have been different. Yeah, if anything, at a bare minimum, this sounds dumb, you're going down, and the drive wouldn't have played out that way, but that touchdown to Antonio Brown would have won the game, or you'd have been playing the offense at a minimum to get in field goal range to tie up the game and you don't get in this weird back and forth situation playing a prevent defense with a defense that can't tackle you knew when Dak Prescott got that ball back with 48 seconds left you knew they were going to drive down and at a minimum I didn't see the touchdown coming but I knew they were going to get in field goal range because when you're in a defense playing a prevent and you can't tackle anybody and you take stupid penalties, both of which happened on that drive, you knew that's how the game was going to end. So at a minimum, you could eliminate that drive by having had those three points that should have been an automatic. And prevent defense does nothing but prevent you from winning. I'll stick to that forever. The prevent defense totally throws the defense out of rhythm for what they normally do, even if it's a bad defense. And it prevents you from winning the football game. Oh, no question about it. And you've seen so many of these last-second, 22-second field goal drives to win games in the NFL. You think, do what got you there, right? If you get beat, you get burnt, you get burnt, but but play it out. Exactly. Just play the game out. I'll never understand it. All right, we got a break here. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. All fantasy football, all the time, I promise you. Stick with us here on the Arena Sports Network. Welcome back to the Asylum here on the Arena Sports Network. We are Flieger and Briggs. Hey, check out our family of networks as we have live games coming to you from Chicago, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, and more. Just log on to the arenasportsnet.com and click on the family of networks to get schedules, live streaming games, and content. And if you like, become a monthly subscriber for only 5 bucks a month. Fans like you help keep us and the great content going. And we are that great content, so by God, keep us going. That's right. All right, Rick. As promised, it's time for us to jump right into fantasy football here. Finally, an hour and a half into the show, we'll get more and more to it. How about we start out game ball, stinky socks? What will it be? Um, I think we'll stick with um, positivity since we are the beacon of positivity here at the asylum. And I'll let you – I'll even let you start the show. All right, let me start I'll here. I'll <laughs> Just had to push the button, didn't Well, you? I mean, I just wanted to see that, uh, you know, if, if he was getting a game ball or a stinky sock. No, nah, he was just sort of okay this week, Rick. So, my game ball's got to go to my man. I, I got two guys that are on my teams, but I'm going to give the game ball the nod slightly to Stefan Diggs. 13 catches, Rick. 13, 164 yards. Would have loved to have seen him get in the end zone. 
But as that offense has struggled and gotten worse and worse and worse and can't run the ball regardless of who they play or what running back they put out there, Stephon Diggs has been everything to that offense. He's the entire offense. And quite frankly, I see it continuing because he's the only football player right now on that offense. It sure seems that way. And I'll tell you what. You know, we've been lamenting about uh, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, what a skid they're oh, taking. And I don't think they're bouncing back from it either, Rick. I'm I think this sure. is who I they are. Th- yeah, I don't think so either. For whatever reason, a couple years ago when, when uh, Peterson was hurt, we saw McKinnon and Asiata seem to really solidify, actually, the run game. It was, it was kind of a balanced offense, and I made the comment – Minnesota actually started doing things that they weren't used to doing and started getting fairly good at it. And we saw them come into the playoff picture. I think they missed the playoffs that year, but they actually were, you know, very productive. I did, I thought, actually, if anything, McKinnon and Asiata would be better than they were a couple of years ago, yeah. basically taking over the same roles. Not happening. And, um, you know, I, you can say what you want. Is it Sam Bradford? But he seems to be getting the ball to Diggs. This is that offensive line. Yeah, they, they've lost it's two the pro bowlers off that offensive line. Exactly. You can't overcome that. You, you just can't. In a fantasy football world, we look at it that hey, Sam Bradford put up some numbers at the beginning of the year. We saw McKinnon and Osiata have a nice year a couple years ago when Adrian Peter was Peterson was out. We, we saw you know, we've started to see flashes of Cordero Patterson. So we're thinking there's reasons this team should be able to move the ball. Bottom line is Sam Bradford's an average quarterback. He's a guy who's always intrigued me for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, he's an average quarterback. He's not mobile whatsoever. They don't have a true deep threat. They don't have a running game. You take two all-pro offensive linemen out of the mix, Sam Bradford isn't good enough to overcome this on his own. So outside of dumping it off to my man Stephon Diggs, which I'm very happy about in about four leagues, as this is a guy I targeted all over the place, there's just nothing left. There's nobody who can get deep if they wanted to, and Lord knows Bradford doesn't have time to get it to him deep because he's going to be on his back in about four seconds on every snap. I agree, 100%. And, um, you know, a well-deserved game ball. Indeed. Yeah. I'll tell you what, mine goes to uh, Delaney Walker. This has been a couple weeks of this. And 124 yards. He caught nine catches on 11 targets. That's pretty doggone good. 124 yards and a score. And, of course, a kind of an unconventional score, too, as the pass came from uh, DeMarco Murray. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Delaney Walker right now in, in PPR formats, second-leading tight end scorer. And he's really starting to assert himself. Tennessee making some noise. That's what Mariota's doing. I mean, coming off a of four touch. Raise yeah. your hand, Rick. I, know, I, I didn't listen back to the slant on Sunday. So oftentimes I do, but I didn't listen back to last week's episode. Did either one of us predict that Tennessee would put up 35 on Green Bay in the first half? I can't remember if we did or not. Um, I think I said 34 and you were at 33. Uh, so we, were, we yeah. were close. I mean, who <laughs> no. saw this coming? Oh, I know. Really. And we, we saw a stretch like this for Mariota last year. When this kick gets rolling when he gets comfortable when things are going well he is such a dynamic player he's got a big arm he can move around in the pocket you have to respect his ability to run and you throw in a DeMarco Murray and an ability to run the ball this team's scary look I don't know and I don't believe 
they're a playoff team, although rattling off this many wins in a row and where they're sitting in that bad division, they could certainly be in the conversation. But I'll tell you what, if I'm coming down through the stretch in December, I do not want to see these guys on my – if I'm trying to get in the playoffs, I do not want to see these guys on my schedule. That's a scary team. You're not kidding. I mean, you look back from week five, and I'm not even going to go through the total stats uh, of yardage and everything, but you go to start at week five – um, after they lost that tough one to Houston, 27-20, they started with Miami. Now, granted, it's not that he's not playing the Steel Curtain and Doomsday defenses, you know, when he's playing Miami, Cleveland, Indy, Jacksonville, San Diego, and Green Bay. But listen to these um, touchdown passing touchdown totals: three, three, two, two, three, four. This is a top six or seven fantasy quarterback right now, right? Well, in in our league of consequence, which is the uh, fantasy scoring we use when we, we you know we say and well the only league third that or Well, when we you know to the listeners, you know we say well he's fifth in scoring. You know in other scoring formats they may be sixth, they may be fourth, but it's, it's a good uh, barometer. He's fourth in fantasy scoring. Yeah, he's behind only Matt Ryan, Drew Brees. And Aaron Rodgers. All right. All right. The kid's ahead of Andrew Luck. He's ahead of Ben Roethlisberger. He's ahead of Derek Carr. You pick anybody else. He's fourth, buddy. Yeah. And I, we had that game in Factor Fiction in, in last week, and I believe we both said, yeah, he's put himself, cemented himself as a clear number one. And as of right now, at least in the fantasy context, not only is he clear number one, he, he's reaching elite status here. You know, I'll be curious to see going down the stretch. Yeah, the schedule doesn't get that much harder. Yeah, that's the nice part about finishing last. You get to come back with that last place schedule. And plus you're and that in division the AFC stinks. South. Yeah, that division stinks. Every game's winnable there. This is a team and a quarterback that could make some noise. Yeah, let's take a look at him real quick on just the remaining schedule, and then we'll move on to some socks here. But they're at Indy. They're at Chicago. Then they have a bye. Good Lord, week 13 bye. Okay. <laughs> so winnable, winnable. Yeah. Okay, Denver. And you come back, and then you go to Arrowhead, which is tough. So you got right. Denver and Arrowhead. You finish off the season with Jacksonville. So I mean, you I, go three and two very easily. I'm and not maybe, benching his kid in fantasy. That's for sure. Maybe you squeeze one of those out. Even you look at Denver. Are you as terrified as Denver as you were certainly not even last season four weeks ago. I mean, they're yeah, tough, but, they're, but they're they can be very had, good, and yeah. they're not going to score. They're absolutely not going to score. Simeon's bad. I know he's banged up. Paxton Lynch got the bulk of the work in practice today. I, I read that during the break. So, but they have no quarterback. They, the running game, Booker hasn't been what we expected. They absolutely can't score. If you have a guy as dynamic as a Mariota who he could even go out and generate 17, 21 points, you're going to be right in the game with Denver. I agree. All right, let's get to it here. Stinky Sock, Rick, I'll start this show. I hate to do it. I like this guy, and you like this guy even more than I do. So you're not going to like hearing it, but I mentioned at the top of the show, Brandon Marshall, what he's done, I believe, two touchdowns on the year. It's just a stat line that stuck out to me, and I don't want to blame this all on Brandon Marshall, but four catches for 15 yards. I don't even know how that happens. For a running or wide receiver, the stature of Brandon Marshall, four receptions, 15 yards. He's been a pretty steady three for 40, four for 40, three for 25 the last six, seven weeks. This guy's almost, I'm going to blame the quarterback situation, but whatever the reason, Brandon's got to take that stinky sock this week. And this is a guy you got to start thinking about sitting down on a weekly basis. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It's a jet offense, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know what to make of them. They stink. I was totally wrong about the Jets. I thought this offense was going to be in good shape. 
I mean, you know, I'm not wasn't looking to be New England or Pittsburgh, something like that. But I thought it was going to be a top, easily a top ten offense this year coming in with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You would figure the chemistry would be there. Okay, Eric Decker goes down. Ryan Fitzpatrick apparently with that Harvard education has no clue what's going on. <laughs> Forgot right how now. to throw a football. Yeah, exactly. And they basically don't have any run game. Yeah, if I had until a- Matt Forte, they start to involve it. See, that was the thing. They started off. Uh, I think they lost a tough one, then they won. And Matt Forte, we talked about because of his age, they were using him so much. Well, then they must have listened to the asylum yeah. because all of a sudden they just quit using him for like four or five yeah, games. Yeah, gave him a month off. And he was like single-digit fantasy scoring for like five games in a row. And then all of a sudden they start using him again, and they actually look like they could do something. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, he can't get the ball to anybody. No, I mean, no. it, it is horrid. I've been so wrong about everything this season. I've got to pat myself on the back on the rare occasion it exists. I remember you trying to give me a stinky sock, Rick, when we did our preseason predictions, and I had the New York Jets dead last in that AFC East, so bully to me, I got one right anyhow. Yes, you did. Although I had Cincinnati in the Super Bowl, so I can't crow too much about my AFC knowledge. Okay, I'm going for the stinky sock. I mean, the only thing I can say is, win, boy. When? Are you going to get your act together, Jay Cutler? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, mean <laughs> I knew you had to go there. <laughs> that was the most horrific, under I mean, unimpressive, uninterested performance that, that I can remember in a long, long time. Absolutely. Ended pathetic. up with 182 yards and a touchdown. I mean, did you see the touchdown? It oh, was like yeah. a Hail Mary right at the end of the half. Yeah, tipped around eight yeah, times. Yeah, it was just landed lucky in Jeff- there. And merit his hand. The guy had two picks and a, a lost fumble before he had 75 <laughs> yards passing. And this guy is a total loser. Oh, yeah, he's gone. He's done. It, I mean, a, you know, say what you want. I mean, the guy's a multimillionaire, but, you know, Okay, Brian Hoyer has played in six games this year. Jay Cutler's played in four. Fantasy-wise, Brian Hoyer's leading Jay Cutler by over 60 points <laughs> in, in just fantasy points. I mean, this guy is excruciating. Jay Cutler has 807 – excuse me. Yeah, I'm sorry, 807 yards passing in four games. Three touchdowns, four picks. Two lost fumbles. Hey, it's pathetic. He's just he's Six turnovers to three touchdowns. That is gruesome. <laughs> and the this, I I don't know if he's going to play anymore. No, I definitely not going to play in Chicago. No, and I don't think his ego, his un- irrational, undeserved ego, would ever allow him to to t- be a take backup money somewhere and be a backup. So yeah, he just might flat be out of the league. All right, Rick, a couple of takeaways. This is one I found myself sitting around thinking about on Sunday. Looking back on the draft this year and draft strategies and how they've turned a wide receiver and the no running back theory. You know, Rick, as I sit down now in my way too early rankings going into next season, I am pretty confident in saying, Rick, that I think at a minimum three, if not the first four selections in your fantasy draft next year are going to be running backs. I think we see this year I have teams where I'm paying the price 
where, yeah, the wide receiver position is important and you need to stock it up and stock it up big, to get one of these top-end running backs makes all the difference in the world. And we're talking Le'Veon Bell and Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson. And right now I put DeMarco Murray in that category. And Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. If you have one of those four, those are all first-round picks next season. And I'll tell you what, they're guys I'm going to be targeting. There's no question about that. You can talk about these sages that they seem to think that they are actually tweeting and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago actually tweeting out you know and and these are actually writers and and supposedly respected names in like the fantasy community melvin gordon sucks yeah he averages 3.3 yards per carry well got news for you jack he's got (laughs) jack 1200 total yards and 11 touchdowns yeah i'll take that how's that suck how you like that as uh kirk cousins would say exactly i mean you're absolutely right i'm looking right now at at um these elite backs demarco murray like you said david johnson i'm throwing i'm throwing melvin gordon in there obviously ezekiel elliott um if he could stay healthy, LaShawn McCoy yeah. still there. He had a resurgence this year. Of course, Le'Veon Bell. And I'll tell you another guy that is totally forgotten, a bit touchdown dependent, but 12 touchdowns. We talk about Melvin Gordon. LeGarrette Blount's got 12 yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, this is the year there's a – since Corey Dillon, there's a New England running back you can trust. They keep feeding him the ball. Exactly. I, I agree 100%. Now, throw, is he elite? You know, if he's at six touchdowns, no, he's not. No. You know, but he's still obviously a guy to target. Lamar Miller's another one. Um, Jay Ijae yeah. is going to be um, – Ajayi. Exactly. Ajayi. Sorry, I missed that. I mean, you're talking all – these are all first and second round guys. Jordan Howard. Very possible. Latavius Murray starting to assert himself coming back from that turf toe. And we all know that that's kind of a you know sketchy thing to come back from. He's starting to look pretty healthy. He's a guy I'm going to be watching close this week coming off the bye. Is what we saw on Sunday a matchup thing? Or is that who Latavia? This is a guy I'm going to keep my eye on the next couple of weeks. Is is most of my fantasy seasons are over, and I start to prep for next year. Well, I'm certainly excited about this kid, and I'll tell you another kid that I am excited about. It seems like he's been around a lot longer for whatever reason, but he's only 23 years old. He's only in his third season, and we talked about it with uh, James Rapine on in the last segment. Isaiah Crowell. As, as Cleveland gets a little better and start getting some pieces in place, this is a running back to be targeted in the fir- early rounds. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you have to take him in the early rounds, though. He'll be one of those. Not next year, but, yeah, you're absolutely. Go, going forward, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think what you're, what you're going to see, and I got away from it too, but, but what you're going to find is as we go forward, these running, I, I'm going to be back to you're going to see me having two stud running backs, and I'll fill yep. in with, with receivers. And if you look at the receivers that are performing, look, your top end talent, Brandon Marshall's been bad. You know, we've talked about Allen Robinson for how long. Yeah, it's been bad. But there's also plenty of guys when you get past your A.J. Greens, Julio Jones, and Antonio Browns, there, there's 15 guys, 20 guys that are all the same guy. And yeah. you can pick up two of those guys. In the middle rounds, I, I just want to point out in one of my leagues, and I'm still competitive in this league, but there's one team in this league 
that's undefeated in his draft strategy, and we kind of mocked him for it at the time, and of course the, the app just crashed as I wanted to read this to you, so bear with me here one second. Oh, God, never fails. Here we go. All right. So he went at the end, middle end of first round. He was able to catch David Johnson at the end of the first round, and of course you remember Le'Veon Bell was suspended, so he was able to pick right. up Le'Veon Bell in the second. So he starts out with Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson fills it in. He's got Jarvis Landry at wide receiver. He's got Brandon Cooks at wide receiver. He's got Golden Tate. He's sitting. He's got Marcus Mariota at quarterback. This guy's unbeaten. This is all about Mariota and those two running backs. And he filled it in with a bunch of pretty good wide receivers, three or four just pretty good wide receivers, and nobody can touch this cat. I'll tell you what. This is going to be my strategy. I'm going back to that. We preached it for how many years? And for the I won one championship going zero RB. Thought it was the be all end all, and we're finding out now, Rick. This is, we're we're coming back. It's still about the running back. Yeah, we may have to be uh, revisited, uh, you know, by the thunderclap. Yeah, the and, Ten Commandments and, coming and back. And the Ten Commandments. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I'm kind of interested in our league of consequence. Um, the highest scoring team in our league of consequence. His first overall pick was who? David Johnson. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to follow him in the first couple of rounds here. Um, then he picked up Des Bryant, which is starting to turn out pretty good now. Um, but he but he picked up J.I.J.E. somewhere along the line. I.J.E. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Well, what he got him off the waiver wire because I drafted him and cut him early in the year when I got bombarded by injuries. And <laughs> the if you remember, Miami wasn't even taking him on road trips because he was such a ne'er-do-well. And now look at him now. Right. So much you know, can change he, in a he season. loaded up with Carlos Hyde, which has been a, a real disappointment. But you, you saw the strategy that he was going with. Um, you know, he's supplementing. You know, of course, he got the Dez, but then he's supplementing through the draft. He drafted Delaney Walker earlier. We we just mentioned him, the second highest scoring tight end. You know, and, and he's supplementing the wide receivers with guys like um, Jordan Matthews guys like Emmanuel Sanders, that he was getting way down in the draft. And and I'm just agreeing with you. I, I, there's just no – I don't think you can substitute your stud running backs. No, no. I mean, I'm even, coming back to it. I'm going to have two in the first three rounds from yeah, now on. I'm going to do it. Okay, I agree. All right, you got a takeaway or you want me to keep going here? Well, we covered my – Huge takeaway, and it's usually always some lament with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, and we yeah. covered the the defense and, and some changes that they have to make. Um, another takeaway we also covered that I had was the slide that Minnesota's taken. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to have to make some adjustments. I don't know if they can recover from it. I, I don't think they can, no, quite frankly. Done. I'm they're agreeing done. with you. So we'll go to your yeah. takeaway. I mean, that defense is they're getting they're getting worn out as good as they are. You saw Kirk Cousins. I don't want to say had his way, but performed very well. Rob Kelly ran the ball very well. I just I, I think yeah I made the I made the comparison to the late '90s Steelers on, on last week's show, and right. I, I think that that's starting to come to fruition. Oh, what do I have? A couple things I have jotted down here. Rick, I've decided I, 
I hope this isn't overhyped based on one game, although it's a big win going to, to Gillette and winning a game. Seahawks, for me, for everything the Cowboys done, the Seahawks, to me, are still the favorites in, in the NFC right now. We're seeing it. We saw it last year. We all panicked. We all jumped off the bandwagon. Russell Wilson started out so bad, and Doug Baldwin was just another guy. And then – we came into the beginning of this season. Wilson was bad, and he was hurt. And when Wilson was bad and hurt, Doug Baldwin was nobody. And then, bang, all of a sudden, here we are, Rick. Week 10, Russell Wilson going absolutely nuts. Doug Baldwin back to that where we sat and scratched our heads for seven weeks last year, Rick. Is this really who Doug Baldwin is? And I emphatically said no, and I looked good for the first seven, eight weeks of this year, and bang, they are just back. And that team is so scary when those two are rolling. Oh, there's no question about that. And I think one of the keys, we've seen them really struggling with the run game. But what Pete Carroll has done, and, you know, I applauded him finally, Jimmy Graham can catch. And they really started before, before the explosion of Doug Baldwin, they started getting him involved in the pass game. And now you can't stop any of them. Right. Yeah, it's it, it's downright scary <laughs> what me. they do. And Russell Wilson gets rolling. Doug, this is less about Russell Wilson. This is what we expected for Russell Wilson. The question mark was Doug Baldwin. This guy gets going. He's still really the only – we've added Jimmy Graham now, but really the only legitimate target they have there in terms of running – in terms of wide receiver and downfield threats. <laughs> this kid is scary, and he is going to be – if you can go out, it's probably too late now. If you can make, swing a trade and get him, this guy I think is going to be – top five in fantasy scoring as we finish out the year here. So something to keep an eye on, definitely intriguing. The other thing I'm looking at, Rick, and, boy, it sounds so odd to say, but, you know, the Packers, they're just flat done. We talk about the Vikings. The Packers are bad. You know, you talk about them bringing in Kristen Michael and what that'll mean. They've got no running game. There's some discord now between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. The defense is all of a sudden bad. That that's as inexplicable to me as what's going on on offense. This this Packers team is just. We we talked about the Steelers and how we think maybe being in a bad division they can get it going. I don't think the Packers are a playoff team <laughs> this me. season. Is Rick's I, choking to death yeah, over I, there all of a sudden? Yeah, going down the wrong pipe. I apologize, but yeah, I agree with you 100. percent There's a lot of problems in Green Bay, and, and quite frankly. The NFC North, I think, is Detroit it's for the Detroit. Yeah, It is. It, it really is. Unbelievable as it sounds. Yeah, and it, it's – I would have never – you'd have never convinced me at the beginning of the season. I think I had Green Bay in a Super Bowl, as a matter of fact. But I'll tell you what, another takeaway that I have real quickly. I always talk about, you know, the best divisions in football – and, you know, a lot of attention, and deservedly so, has been given to the NFC East. I mean, you have Dallas at 8-1, and one, Giants 6-3, and three, Washington 5-3-1, Philadelphia 5-4. They're all over 500. I tell you what, for my money, the best division in football is not the NFC East. It's the AFC West. Kansas City 7-2, Oakland 7-2, Denver 7-3. And San Diego, even at four and six, they're below 500. There's a lot of talent on that team. And, I mean, you look, you know, team for team, Dallas may be the best. But I tell you what, Kansas City, Oakland, Denver, I think they're all for real. Well, and barring something major, just looking at everything else that's going on in the AFC in general, Rick, 
those three teams are going to the playoffs. Yeah. There, there, there's what there ain't gonna be no wild card coming out of the NFC North or the AFC North. We know that, right? No, you're right. Where, where's it gonna come from the East? There's not one there, and let, I don't know. We think Miami just keeps rolling the way they're rolling. I, I highly doubt it. We certainly know there isn't one coming out of the South. I mean, those three teams are going to the playoffs. Yeah, unless there's a total meltdown. I mean, I could see maybe Tennessee getting on a roll. The way they're rolling now, yeah. To have a an equal record with, say, an Oakland or something, if there happens to be a total meltdown somewhere along the line. I don't see Miami going on this roll. I can see Pittsburgh getting on a roll, um, but they're not going to win out. They're no. not going to be 11 and 5, okay? No, no, no. And Baltimore's not going to go on some big roll. I mean, I, I just. No, this division's going to be one at 9 and 7 or 8 and 8. It's simple I'm, as I, that. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And Kansas mean, City, they just don't lose. You don't know how they keep winning, Rick, but they just keep winning. Now, I don't know if the way they do things, it's not a formula to go into Foxborough and win, and win a playoff game. But that team's going to make the playoffs, and they're probably going to win a game in the playoffs. And I feel. Still, and I kept telling myself I'm not going to do it this year. And every time I pick games, I find myself picking against the Chiefs. And somehow, some way, by hook or by crook, you saw the crazy way that game ended last week. They just don't lose. They find a way to win games. You're right, and and that comes from from coaching and confidence and so forth. I'm gonna. What do you think their offense is ranked in the NFL? Well, they got to be overall. They got to be twenty. Two to 25, 26, somewhere in there. Twenty sixth. Okay, the defense. A little different, right? Yeah, they're they're probably in the top ten, but probably seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. Twenty uh, second. Whoa, really? And they're seven and two. That stuns me that the defense exactly. is that low. So it tells me they give up a ton of yardage, but they don't give up a lot of points, right? Is that what they bend but don't break? I hate that expression, but it sounds yeah, it's, like that. It's too. such a cliche. You're absolutely right. But and timely turnovers. They, they create timely, timely turnovers. We saw it twice in the fourth quarter of that game Sunday. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's exactly the key to them is timely turnovers. And not only that, but, but there are – taking advantage of every turnover they well, right. have. right, exactly. But that team just doesn't lose. They're going to make the playoffs. Oakland's got themselves far enough ahead at this point over everybody. If they don't win the division, they certainly got themselves way over anybody else looking for a wild card spot. And Denver, the way they play defense, you can't see Denver ever going on a two- or three-game losing streak because they just play defense too well. Yeah, exactly. You know, going back to Kansas City, they have – you know, twenty-second ranked defense in the league. They have thirteen interceptions and nine fumble recoveries, and they've scored four touchdowns on defense. So, I mean, that it, that says a lot. There are volumes to make up on a mediocre offense. But um, anyway, we have a lot to cover coming into the inside slant for what week eleven? Week eleven bye weeks Woo. are over. The playoff? No, crunches. they're not over. Or no, it, you know what I meant. Yeah, yeah. The huge I'm doing too many things. Cletus took the day off here. So. Cletus is always off. Yeah, it can't get the kid to show up. So hey, if you want to be an executive producer of a mediocre podcast, give us a call or at Asylum Football on Twitter and let us know. So that's it. We will be back Sunday, 10 o'clock Eastern Blog Talk Radio and AsylumFantasySports.com. Check out the Inside Slant 10 Eastern. We'll be back here next week, Rick, on what I believe will be uh, Thanksgiving, right? Doing a Thanksgiving show, working the holiday next Thursday here at the Asylum Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. 
until Sunday or until Thanksgiving. We'll see you. Take care.